Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Crime Weekly News. I'm Derek Lavasser. And I'm Stephanie Harlow. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Stephanie. Happy I'm New Year. I'm assuming, 20... We've already talked, but, well, you know. Yeah. 2024, man. It, it better be good because 2023 was a train wreck of a year. The worst year of my life. I'm so ready for a fresh start. Wow. Yeah, it was hot. Good it was way tough. to start this episode off. It was tough. I, listen, I'm actually very grateful for for a new year, obviously, a new opportunity to continue to grow as a person, professionally, whatever, personally. But I, I am very grateful for 2023. It was a very, it's a, it was a tough year, but it was also a year of growth, I think, for you and I, especially. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. only for the podcast, but for Criminal Coffee. We've made so many strides in both in both businesses. And I feel like I'm excited about the opportunities we have coming forward. Haven't seen it yet. So we're recording this to be compl- to pull back the curtain. We're recording this. Oh, here you go. The pulling back the curtain again. Man. But I want to because it's going to make more sense. Now, this little time capsule here. I already at this point when you're watching this episode, I'm redoing my whole background over Christmas break that when we're off. So I'm excited about that. So really love this background right here. Embrace it. Take it all in because it's gone. Because although I love the soundproofing, I hate this background. So I'm changing it. I already have the supplies off to my left here. I'm looking forward to getting in there and and changing everything. So take it all in because come next week when we drop the new Crime Weekly News, hopefully this is done. And if it's not, it's because I just completely slacked during Christmas vacation. So, you know, whatever. Which is possible. (laughs) Which is possible. And so I'm not going to ask you how your Christmas was, Stephanie, because... That would be a lie. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm I'm hoping it's very good for you. Um, I th- I'm going to predict that it will be good. That's a good. That's see, I like that. I like the positivity. So now Have to go to from be. a positive thought to a negative uh, piece of news because that's unfortunately what we do here on Crime Weekly News. Uh, usually, we're not here to tell you something good that's happened. Um, mm. But there is a little bit of a silver lining to this because someone's off the street that could commit a future crime. So with that being said. 46-year-old Elias Diaz was arrested on Sunday, December 17th, after three people were attacked by a man with a large knife at Pennypack Trail in Philadelphia. Now police are saying that DNA from Diaz has tied him to at least one more unsolved crime that has haunted the local community for decades. And this is always great when this happens because we've talked about it before with CODIS. There's certain situations where even though this offender may have committed crimes in the past. They may not have found their DNA at the crime scene or they've never been arrested on a felony where their DNA would be taken. So they could go out there committing petty theft or whatever, something like that, a simple assault. And police wouldn't even know at that time when they've arrested them, when they booked them, that they're responsible for maybe multiple murders. In this case, it looks like DNA that they found from that crime scene has now linked them to other crimes, which is why technology and science and the advancements in it um, has made uh, apps has been an absolute game changer in the investigations community and it's the window of getting away with crimes is getting smaller and smaller and I really really like that yeah we know that between DNA surveillance everywhere cell phones it's, where you yeah. leave an electronic footprint everywhere you go ever who one you talk to you can't get away with with much these days it's the older crimes that are unsolved right but even those crimes, With this new technology, they're coming back and they're catching up to him. Mm -hmm. Well, police are saying that DNA collected from Diaz has tied him to more than one unsolved rape case, as well as an unsolved murder 
of a young woman who was attacked as she jogged through Fairmont Park on July 13th, 2003. The police commissioner, John Stanford, said, quote, everything we have at this point leads us to believe that Mr. Diaz is also involved or a person of interest regarding the murder of Rebecca Park, which occurred in July of 2003, as well as possibly two or three other sexual assaults that occurred in Fairmount Park over a period of time, end quote. And I guess when these rapes happened, they, the person who had committed them wasn't caught, right? So he was given the moniker the Fairmont Park Rapist, and everyone in, in the area, everyone local was, like, very stressed out about it. People stopped going to the park. It would just caused a lot of anxiety and stress for the people who lived in that area. Now, the attacks that he was arrested for, those occurred in Pennypack Park, and they happened this past November On November 22nd, the police say a person was running on a trail when they were approached from behind by a bicyclist who has since been identified as Diaz. And when the runner announced his approach, Diaz became enraged and pulled out a large knife, possibly a machete, and slashed the runner multiple times on his arms and hands. And then on November 24th, so just two days later, a person was walking alone along the same trail, and he was attacked by a man on a bike with a large knife. This person was caught on his right arm and hands. Diaz faces charges of attempted murder, aggravated assault, and other related offenses for these attacks. But then we have to talk about Rebecca Park. She was a 30-year-old student at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. She went missing while running through Fairmont Park in July of 2003. Her body was later found buried under wood and leaves on a steep hillside in the park about 200 feet off the road. And they they didn't you know solve it right away. But in 2003, they used DNA from Park's murder. And then they linked that DNA to two other attacks that happened in that same park that same year. So on April 30th, a 21-year-old jogger in the park was raped. And on October 25th, a 37-year-old woman in that park was, uh, was the victim of an attempted rape. And then in August of 2007, the the person, the Fairmount Park rapist, seemed to move to Pennypack Park. And that's when the Pennypack Park attacks began and a 25-year-old woman was raped on August 11th. Now, DNA evidence from these attacks were entered into CODIS. And in 2021, police released images that had been created using DNA to show what the suspect might look like. I love this technology. Um, wasn't it Parabon Labs who kind of started that? Because we talked about it in... Um, what case was it? The college student. Uh, it was uh, Faith Hedgepath. Faith Hedgepath. We talked about that in her case because yeah. they made a picture of what the suspect would look like based on right. his DNA profile, which I think is super cool. And then that same DNA was entered into a public database and a family profile for the suspect was built. In April of 2023, the police finally got a name, Elias Diaz. And the first deputy police commissioner, Frank Venor, said, quote, We had no idea if he was even still living. There was information given to us when we started to search for him and they started searching for him that he was in the area Kensington. Somebody said he overdosed. No one had seen him for a time, so we had no idea where to find him or if he was living at a residence or was unsheltered, end quote. And then he gets arrested for these attacks in um, in in the park where he's slashing people with machetes for absolutely no reason. And then they kind of tie two and two together. So it looks like and this is alleged because, once again, he's innocent until proven guilty. And, and the, even the police aren't saying for sure, but they do seem confident. It is, it's possible that this person, Elias Diaz, 
has been responsible for multiple rapes and at least one murder, right? And I'm sure that uh, that he didn't stop there. I'm sure there's many more victims that can be tied to Elias Diaz. And once they start putting all of these pieces together, his the, the things, the list of things that he has done is probably just going to grow. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's it's a great job by law enforcement, and it and it goes back to where we've come as a as a investigative uh, organization or or society where the preservation of evidence is so critical to solving a case even if it's not in that moment right when we have these crimes the the ability to solve that crime tomorrow or 20 years from now will be largely based on who the original investigator was and whatever crime scene tech cleaned down the crime scene and swiped it down and checked it for evidence and obviously processed everything and labeled everything and and stored everything appropriately. I will tell you that there are cases that as a detective, we would break them open, break open the evidence locker and go into them. And evidence that was collected 20, 30 years, maybe in the 80s, we have it. And unfortunately, they used a paper bag when they should have used a plastic bag, or yeah. or whatever the case may be. And it might or not mislabeled even be, it or whatever. What? Well, yeah, that that that's that makes your job even harder. But it's when they label it correctly, but they just preserve it incorrectly. And unfortunately, the evidence that would have been on that T-shirt or that pair of pants is now degraded so bad that it's it's you can't even use it. Um, and that has happened multiple times to me. And it's such an unfortunate thing where you find that piece of evidence. And then find that it wasn't preserved properly. Now, I will say this. Some of that is just a poor job, but a lot of it is lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding of the proper way to preserve evidence. Because in the 70s and 80s, Mm. listen, they didn't know, they didn't have a a crystal ball and they didn't know the future and what we were going to be able to do with a Q-tip, you know, and a swab of a countertop. And that today, if you touch that countertop, I can tell you, Years later, who it was and how old they were and their genetic makeup and their familial Great. DNA. And who what they look like, to. what they might look like. That's insane. They, they, yeah, through the Parabon snapshot, they call it. Yeah. You know, so we're in like now some kno- science fiction times now. Right. Yeah. But now knowing that, detectives are being better trained to process a crime scene under the expectation that even if they don't have an immediate suspect at that time, down the road, maybe well after they've retired, there might be something that comes along that can take even a small amount of DNA and process because we're even learning with the amount of the DNA needed, right? Like years ago, there was a certain amount you would need in order to even process it. Now it's become even less. I know with with hair follicles, a lot of the mm. back in the day, you needed flesh at the root of the hair follicle in order to process it. Yeah. Now with mitochondrial DNA, yeah. you don't even need that. So I can't imagine where we're going to be just even 10 years from now. The, the technology is evolving so fast. And then you get into artificial intelligence, which I know is a sticky subject for some people. But the reality is if used in the right way, it can be extremely advantageous in solving crime, especially if we're using physical evidence coupled with software. I, I, don't, I can't even process or fathom what we might be able to accomplish, but but one more thing. It's kind of scary, saying, actually. It's like, 
what's going to happen? You know, right, you right. just don't know. <laughs> you don't know. It could be a bad thing, but that's that's a different conversation for a different day. I, like I always go back to the movie Minority Report. I know, but dude. What you, do they call that? A pre-crime? pre-crime the pre-crime? The pre-cogs. Yeah. Great movie. Dude. It's With your like, boy, Tom Cruise. By the way, for a girl who doesn't like Tom Cruise, you you bring up a lot of Tom Cruise movies. I just want to point that I, out. So like, yeah, he's got some good movies. He's but got I, some bangers. Come on. Can we just hear I just, I just saw news? I just saw an older interview of him on 2020. It was on TikTok. And he's such a freaking D-bag, man. Like he just gets so oh, defensive and like cringy. He's an artist. He's not an artist, dude. He's a little boy with a Don't little... Don't talk about Maverick that way. He's a little boy with a little frail ego. He is tiny. I can't he is tiny. stand him. He I is tiny. I cannot he... stand him. Ugh. Sorry. Right, well. Sorry, Scientology. Sorry, Tom Cruise. I'm allowed to have my opinion that I can't stand you. But yeah, he was a good... I love act. you, Tom Cruise. He was a good actor. Next thing we know, Derek's going to be at the Scientology Center in LA. No, no. I just want to be... I just want to be in Top Gun 3. Well, you're not going to be, no matter how much you kiss wow. Tom Cruise's ass. Talk about support from a friend. <sighs> Don't tempt me. I will spend the next year training for that role so I can be on the beach in that scene. Did you see Top Gun? Top Gun, the first one or the second one? No, the I, new I, one. I saw both. Yeah, what am I? Oh, am I? I'm like, you're Which such one? a hypocrite. Which one? <laughs> Nevertheless, I rest my case. I rest my case. I still listen to R. Kelly's music too. Does that mean I'm like, R. Kelly's the coolest? R. Kelly, give me a job. No. Pathetic. <sighs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, you said something earlier that I want to go back to the impact that these crimes have, not only on the victim, not only on their families, but the community. Of course. And this uneasiness that be, that goes over that community, knowing that the person who committed this crime is still potentially in that area and could strike again. And although you can never be completely sure that it won't happen, knowing that a person who has proven they're capable of such a heinous crime is still out there and hasn't been apprehended is very scary for everybody. So to have some resolution, not only for these victims that may be connected to this crime, but also for that community as a whole to know not only is this person off the street, but also to build some trust in the eight, the officers that are in charge of finding these individuals in that area to say, hey, congratulations, you did your job. That's what you're supposed to do. Start to gain a little bit more trust, a little bit more faith in the system. That and it looks it like they've been doing time. continuous work on this. By the way, right. like it's we, not they like they just about filed it. it away. You know, like they 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 work consistently. And as new DNA technology came up, they took advantage of it as it did, which I think is admirable for a police force. Hundred percent, especially in like the Philadelphia area, because you know they got they're busy. They got, yeah, they're busy. They're busy out there. So kudos, kudos to them. Obviously, like you said. Innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, but we know he did commit at least one crime. He, yes, we they do. have him on. They have him on for the stabbing. So the, the machete. Well, yeah, the machete. Exactly. So clearly there's something going on there. Wouldn't be surprised if he's connected to more that we don't even know about. 100%. yet. This could open Pandora's box where now they start looking at the road case files. And sure enough, the, the, the MO matches something and they find a piece of evidence in that case that they processed and they're able to take a shirt that was found or a wallet or something. They swab that now because, again, it was preserved correctly, hopefully, and they're able to connect that to him as well. So I love seeing this. I love the fact that this is a positive step in the right direction for 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 investigations and knowing that, again, in order to get away with a crime, like you said, video surveillance, digital data, forensic data, uh, evidence, there's so many angles to go with. There's so many tools in the toolbox these days for detectives that if they're good and they're trained well, they have those items at their disposal and you have to be perfect as a criminal 
to get away with these crimes these days, which I loved. I love it. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, yeah. And I mean, even if you do get away, like initially, they're just showing, you know, don't get comfortable. Don't ever feel safe. You know, you're the one who knows you committed this crime and you may be walking around for months or years thinking you got away with it. But don't let your guard down, because as this technology develops, we're not stopping. We will find you. Yeah. And even if you don't leave your evidence, your family members better not do any type of genealogical uh, surveys or or websites to find out where they're from, Mm because we'll still get you. Yeah, exactly. We'll still get you. I love it. Any final words from you? No, that's it. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to dive into it again. Hope everyone had a good holiday, a good new year. We'll be back with a new episode. It'll be part two of our series. At this point, you know, it's Dan Markell. So we'll be back with part two for that Friday. It'll be on YouTube on Sunday. Everyone stay safe out there. Have a good night. Take care. Bye. Bye.